0: Study on Sunday nights through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. We come to chapter 38 of Ezekiel. If you're with us tonight and you're without a Bible, uh, uh, just flag one of the guys coming up the aisles with a Bible right now, and they'll be happy to put one in your hand. If you don't own a Bible, uh, make that Bible a gift from the Lord to you today. We ought to have them handing out pens as well tonight. This is very much a a mark-your-Bible kind of passage. I think it's. you allow me a a moment or two to uh, just give a little bit of an introduction to what we're heading into tonight so that we have our bearings and we can understand it in its its context and uh, allow it to have its its fullest impact in terms of our understanding. In Ezekiel chapter 36 uh, and 37, uh, Ezekiel prophesied that Israel would one day be gathered back, not only into the land of Israel, but that when they were brought back into the land of Israel, it would be their land. That they would be a nation once again. And uh, and that they, they would not... Returned to the land as as they had departed from the land. That is that when they uh, departed from the land, they were two separate kingdoms of the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah, when they went into captivity. When they returned to the land and became a nation again, they would be a united uh, united country. And then in what is uh, uh, possibly and almost certainly Uh, one of the great miracles in human history, perhaps the greatest miracle in human history. Uh, 2,600 years after that prophecy was given by Ezekiel, on May 14, 1948, uh, Israel became a nation again. And it fulfilled uh, God's prophecy through Ezekiel in chapter 37. In chapter 40, all the way to the end of the book, 40 through uh, 48, uh, we have Ezekiel's description of Israel following Jesus' second coming, and what is known uh, as the kingdom that follows his second coming, known as the kingdom age or the millennial reign of Christ, and, uh, and that, 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 ki- that kingdom and the focus of those chapters are, are very much upon Israel. But in between chapters 36 and 37 and then 40 to 48, you have these, these two in-between chapters, chapters 38 and 39, where Ezekiel describes this great military attack, this great invasion that is going to be launched against Israel, uh, and an invasion that uh, clearly intends uh, her absolute and, and utter destruction and uh, uh, between the time that Israel becomes a nation again, as they did it May 14, 1948, and Jesus' second coming. It is the very period in human history in which you and I are alive, in terms of God's, uh, God's prophetic uh, plan. I want you to notice in uh, chapter 38 that these uh, events are Uh, twice referred to as having to do with the last days. It's referred to in uh, uh, verse 8 if you notice there in in verse 8 and after many days you will be visited in the latter days you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel and so forth and then notice in verse 16 uh, you will come up against my people he's speaking of the invading force and the leader of it uh, personally, you will come up against my people, Israel, like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days. And so uh, clearly these two chapters are speaking about what the Bible refers to uh, as, uh, as the latter days, the, um, the days immediately uh, preceding uh, the, the second coming of Christ and the rapture of the church that occurs prior uh, to that. And so here in these chapters, uh, they provide us with a revelation of what is going to be the geopolitical condition of the world uh, in uh, surrounding Israel in the last days, and what we can expect to see in the Middle East surrounding uh, Israel in in uh, in identifying what are the last days. Again, those days uh, uh, immediately associated with the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ, and then the establishment of His thousand-year reign. So what we read about in chapters 38 and 39, they await a future fulfillment. Uh, nothing has happened in human history. Nothing has happened in Israel's history that matches it yet. Uh, it, it will happen, uh, as, as you look at it tonight, it, it could happen tonight, candidly. Uh, all of these events could unfold by the time you and I wake up tomorrow morning uh, to greet another day. Uh, no, beginning here in verse uh, 1 of chapter 38, Now, the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel, saying, uh, speaking, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog uh, of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. I will turn you around. Put hooks into your jaws and lead you out with all your army, horses, horsemen, all splendidly clothed, the great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling. Uh, swords, and so the main player in this attack upon, uh, future attack upon Israel uh, is uh, a man that the Lord uh, addresses by the name of Gog, Gog is probably not his, uh, you know, uh, formal name, it's not his first name or his last name, Uh, most likely it refers to a title, uh, that, uh, that he has, and uh, it's a, it m- very much like uh, our use of the term president, he's the leader of this particular nation, or we might use the term czar, or, uh, or pharaoh, or uh, uh, whatever the, the head person might be in any given uh, country. you notice that he is the leader of a nation that's referred to here uh, as Magog. And Magog is uh, not just some name that's pulled out of nowhere. Uh, Magog uh, is a term for, an ancient term for a particular part of the world. And it is the a, an ancient name for the land Uh, North of the Caucasus Mountains, and the Caucasus Mountains uh, run between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea, and north of those Caucasus Mountains is uh, the nation that we know today as Russia. It's going to be further identified in the text. In uh, chapter 8, verse 15, and then in chapter 39, verse 2, as being to the far north of Israel. Notice in verse 15 of chapter 38, then you will come out of your place, out of the far north. So a little bit more help in identifying the location of this nation relative to the geographical uh, position of Israel. In Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 2, and I will turn you around and lead you on bringing you up from the far north and bring you against the mountains of israel so if you were to pull out a a world map and uh, put it on a table and run a line straight north from uh, israel you would almost bisect the city of of moscow he makes a point of referring to this nation as being at the far north of of Israel at the time of all of this there is no more northern uh, most nation uh, above Israel than than Russia itself and so additionally we're told that in uh, verse 4 that at the time of this invasion uh, this particular nation, in terms of the revelation that is given to us here at the time of this invasion, it will be a nation that is a major military power. When you describe the weaponry that it is going to invade with, it, is, uh, it will be fabulously uh, equipped for war, and, uh, so Israel, uh, and so Russia is today, one of the major world powers, militarily speaking, and uh, the fact that it currently sells military arms to uh, much of the rest of the world today shows that it's not only able to equip itself fabulously for any kind of an invasion it may want to attempt, but it has the ability to fully arm uh, her allies as well, which we're going to see she's going to do. It is important to realize here that uh, Russia uh, has a very very long history of anti-Semitism and uh, Russia's historical persecution of the Jews is very very well known. Uh, one of the most um, uh, flagrant violators of uh, of uh, rights concerning Jews, persecutors of the of the Jews, all the way through history, and uh, but her persecution of the Jews uh, goes way beyond uh, the Jews who have historically been caught within Russia's borders, who uh, were treated uh, horribly in, in her history. But Russia adds to that uh, dismal testimony in the eyes of the, God, uh, of the Lord, uh, because included in, is also her long history of arming Israel's enemies in the region. Uh, enemies that have sought Israel's destruction since the birth of the nation in 1948 and so in 1967 and then again in 1973 when Syria and Jordan and Egypt invaded uh, Israel with the intent of driving them into the sea making an end of the Jews and the nation of Israel uh, those nations were largely almost exclusively armed uh, by uh, 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 Russia. And to this day, uh, they, in the Middle East, they keep Israel's worst, worst enemies there very, very well armed. And, uh, and, and it is because of Russia's uh, supply of armaments to them that, uh, that these enemies of Israel remain a constant threat uh, to, to Israel's safety. Uh, uh, Russia has been on the wrong side of God's promise to Abraham for a very long time. And uh, sooner or later, uh, you know, there's going to be a payback time. And the promise that I'm talking about here is when God spoke to Abraham and he promised, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. You don't get to mess with the Jews the way that the world has without having to one day face the repercussions of that uh, from God, and Russia has never been on the right side of that particular promise of God to uh, to Abraham. I want you to notice in verse three what the Lord is going to do with Gog, and He says, "Behold, I'm against you, O Gog." So that tells us He's doomed immediately. <laughs> Who can fight against God and and uh, uh, win? Uh, nobody can. He tells us in verse 4 that uh, the lord says that he's going to turn gog around he's going to put hooks in his jaws and then lead him out uh, accompanied by a very very impressive military uh, force and so we notice in uh, in verse 10 uh, we'll see it again but the idea on the part of gog and magog the idea for attacking israel it, it doesn't originate with uh, with God. Uh, it, 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 the, it, in the sense that ultimately the Lord is in charge of this entire scene, and so uh, the, the, the God will intend to, uh, to to attack to invade, but God is then going to overrule that attack for his purposes concerning uh, israel there 'll be more in verse sixteen on that as well, and so when God says he 's going to put his hooks into the jaws, once you put a hook into the jaw of anyone, you can steer them wherever you want to steer them, and, uh, and, and, and God will make all of this to, uh, to praise him. So it does appear that uh, that's, uh, there's going to be something, some event that will draw her into an invasion of Israel. Uh, Russia, of course, has very, very strong ties with many of the Muslim nations that surround Israel and has been very, very supportive of them uh on the international scene privately publicly and has has been uh, that way uh for the entire history really of of the nation uh, of Israel. and so we look at this and we say well, so far so good we have a major military power to the far north of of israel with a long history of anti-semitism and arming uh, israel's uh, enemies And then God goes on to speak about uh, the allies that are going to join Gog in this invasion, this attack upon Israel in verse 5. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them having shield and helmet, fabulously uh, armed. Gomer and all its troops, the house of Togarma from the far north, and all uh, its troops, many people are uh, with you. And so here is a list, is, is here is Ezekiel writing 2,600 years ago. And he, he describes not only what he's described in terms of, of Russia, but now he describes her allies in this, this attack. And see if you recognize it from uh, maybe any newscast you watched even today. Uh, the first ally that's mentioned is Persia, which is the ancient name for Uh, Iran there in verse 5. And you simply cannot read the news or listen to the news today without hearing about Iran and specifically about uh, its uh, intent to uh, develop nuclear weapons. And so, uh, which is in this desire that Iran has for developing these kind of weapons, it's all the more uh, damning, all the more dangerous for Israel given the fact that Uh, their leadership continually calls for the complete destruction of Israel. Uh, They are unabashed about it. There's no shame about it. There's no hiding it. There's no diplomacy. There is the talk about uh, the fact that uh, Israel does not deserve to exist anywhere and doesn't deserve to exist in the land that it does possess today. And as soon as they are able, Allah willing, uh, they will uh, destroy her and uh, drive her into the sea. This is the kind of uh, frank language that comes out of Iran in terms of of Israel uh, uh, today. The the close ties between Russia and Iran today, very very well documented. Russia not only supplies Iran with much of its weaponry, virtually all of it uh, in fact, but Iran actually owes its entire nuclear program. Uh, to the massive uh, financial, technological uh, infusion of, of expertise and resources from Russia on on every level in terms of the development of their uh, their nuclear goals, and and because you have uh, Iran's open and really, uh, as I said, unapologetic uh, call for the destruction of Israel, and uh, and its uh, you know vocal. Uh, expressing of the fact that they, they desire to do it as soon as they are able, uh, Israel simply cannot allow Iran to develop nuclear uh, weapons. Uh, Because to let them do that would end up threatening their uh, very existence, the lives of every Jewish man, woman, and child in uh, Israel. And so while we watch these things on the news from a distance, the comfort of several thousand miles away, that is the threat that Israel lives under every single day, that you have this gigantic nation, ancient nation of, of Persia, Iran, Uh, 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 as a a very near neighbor, and they are working toward the developing of a weapon that as soon as they get it, their first thing they're going to do with it is to destroy you. You have to take that seriously. And uh, they ought to take it seriously, and and they are. And so, if the world doesn't bring uh, Iran's nuclear program uh, uh, to a halt through diplomacy then ultimately Israel will be forced to take uh, out the program militarily. And uh, it's not like they haven't already done that in their recent history in the Middle East. They did the same thing for the very same reasons in uh, June of 1981 when they destroyed an Iraqi nuclear uh, reactor that was under construction, when Iraq was making the same threats against them, and, uh, and then in September of 2007 in destroying a nuclear reactor in, in Syria. It won't be easy for them to do that because Iran is aware of what Israel did to those, uh, uh, previ- in those previous attacks, so they have decentralized the locations of their uh, weapons development, and they have also put these uh, put things very, very deep into the ground. Uh, to where they think it is beyond any modern technology to find any missile that will be able to penetrate the ground sufficiently enough to disable the technology. So uh, uh, Iran is building its program to withstand that kind of an attack. Not only does the rest of the world realize that Israel must attack that development for their own survival, uh, but Iran uh, recognizes uh, the very same thing. But the, the fact of the matter is that uh, I- I- as we look at all of this, uh, there's the, the realization that on, on any given day, uh, the world, I- I- you and I, we could wake up on any given morning, turn on the news, on the radio, or, or flip it on in the computer, or on the TV, and and uh, wake up to news reports that Israel has launched a preemptive strike against Iran's nuclear program. And literally, the entire world is... is uh, watching for this to happen Uh, they're holding their breath uh, for some other solution but everyone realizes even in europe where uh, the jews have very few friends uh, they recognize that ultimately what Iran is, is doing is going to force the Jews uh, to, uh, uh, to take this step, which could constitute the very hook then that gets put into the jaw of Magog and begins then to launch this entire uh, scenario that we read about in chapters 38-38. And uh, in 39, that that would be the provocation, or that would be the action on the part of Israel that would set this entire I- invasion in, in motion. And uh, all of it, this certainly matches the desire of the current uh, president of, uh, of, of Russia, uh, Vladimir Putin. Uh, He is desirous of making uh, Russia a superpower again. He realized that they're they're being kind of uh, 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 hustled to a corner in in terms of of Europe and in terms of the United States and in terms of China. And so he wants to flex the muscles. He wants Russia to be a great country again as it it has been in the past and and to be on a par with these other uh, nations or confederations. But they have nowhere to move they can 't move into Europe they can 't move uh, toward uh, China where and so their only move is to go down into the Middle East and make allies of that region in order to uh, to establish itself as a superpower uh, again and so uh, geographically, geopolitically, uh, this is one of the reasons for Russia's uh, very uh, intense uh, involvement in 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 the Middle East and the nations that are found there. There's a description there in verse five of another one of the allies in in uh, called Cush uh, in in uh, uh, different. Uh, uh, translations of the Bible, uh, and it, it refers to, as you see it in the New King James, it's, it's uh, translated Ethiopia. Actually, it represents a part uh, of, of the world that is known today as modern-day Sudan and northern Ethiopia. So, 97% of Sudan's population uh, adheres to Islam, and uh, Russia and Ethiopia have enjoyed a 120-year diplomatic relationship in 1918. They began uh, formal destruct, uh, discussions to uh, strengthen even that, uh, those ties economically, diplomatically, in terms of security. Uh, when it uh, speaks of Put in the uh, in the old King James, but it, it's listed as Libya here in the more modern translations in chapter 5. It does refer to modern-day Libya. Ninety percent of Libya's population adheres to Islam as well. And uh, since the uh, the death of the former leader of, of Libya, uh, Muammar Gaddafi, in uh, 2011, Libya has been uh, locked into this very, very brutal, bloody, Uh, Civil War and uh, was supposed to be the Arab Spring and it didn't turn into an Arab Spring uh, at all. And so you have these major uh, military factions that are fighting for the control of the country because that country has tremendous oil reserves and so the battle is on uh, for uh, the control of those vast oil fields and currently Russia uh, seems to have the lead of all of the uh, powers of the world internationally, and in bringing Libya into her orbit uh, as a as a means of uh, a deliberate means of her uh, uh, solidifying her uh, presence and influence in the Middle East. The mention of Togarma, uh, Gomer, and Togarma there in uh, verse six; those are uh, ancient names for the region of the world that we know today as the country of Turkey. Uh, Turkey is, as well, a Muslim nation. Uh, 98% of its population is registered as Muslim. The interesting thing about Turkey is that the population is overwhelmingly Muslim, but it has a secular government. And uh, you might remember yourself in watching the progression of all of this in the news the last few years, how hard Turkey worked to become a part of the European Union and to identify itself and come under the wing uh, of the EU. And the EU kind of kept Turkey at a, a, in a stalling game, kept them at, at uh, arms uh, length, and, uh, and part of the problems that Europe had with uh, Turkey was its Islamic majority, and uh, it didn't fit with the history, and uh, and even the current makeup, uh, though that's changing in Europe, of Uh, 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 of of its uh, religious background historically, but then also there was always the question of whether Turkey is really European. Uh, it is, it, it, it is kind of a transcontinental country, it's a part of Asia, that is the Middle East, it is a part of Europe, uh, but in kind of a gateway concerning both of them, but not purely Asia or Europe, and so uh, the EU kind of dragged their feet on things, it was stalling tactic, it uh, became disrespectful to Turkey, if, if you put yourself uh, in their shoes, and uh, In uh, 2016, uh, the talks between the two groups, Turkey and the EU, they stalled, and uh, ever since, uh, uh, under uh, Turkey's current uh, President Erdogan, Turkey has turned from pursuing membership in the EU, pursuing uh, Europe with that kind of zeal and now they're deepening their ties with Russia and with the Islamic Middle East. Under Erdogan's uh, leadership, uh, Turkey has become very uh, provocational toward Israel and openly hostile toward Israel. And you just have to read the newspapers to keep up with it. I mean, it's a weekly event uh, now. and. Uh, uh, Just this uh, last week, Erdogan declared that his country is not only opposed to Israel, but also opposed to anyone that stands by Israel. That is the intolerance that uh, Turkey has currently officially for the state of Israel. Uh, Years ago, when we would do like a prophecy update Concerning these chapters, we would say keep an eye on Turkey as they were uh, wooing Europe so strongly, and, uh, and as a part of a prophecy update, it would be that somehow they are not going to be absorbed into that European identity, somehow they will re-identify themselves back into uh, the Middle East, and they will become uh, a hostile toward uh, Israel. And uh, for many decades it didn't look like that would be the case, but all of that has just changed in the last a few years as as we uh, have talked about it, even not only in our lifetimes, but in our our, uh, recent part uh, of our our lives. And so there's little doubt that that Erdogan would jump at the chance to join in this kind of an invasion uh, of Israel. But uh, whether it happens under Erdogan or someone else, Turkey will ultimately join this invasion when it occurs. The common denominator here between all of Russia's allies in this attack is that they are all uh, uh, Muslim-dominated nations, and uh, and so they possess no uh, fondness at all uh, for Israel. Now, it's important to remember that Ezekiel prophesied this uh, almost uh, 2,000 years before the start of Islam in the 7th century A.D., Uh, when Islam simply did not exist in human history and would not exist for 2,000 years. And in his day, Ezekiel had no idea what it would take to uh, unite so uh, diverse a group of nations who were constantly at war with one another. How would they ever unite in in an attack upon uh, Israel and not knowing that they would become united under a religion that was 2,000 years away? Uh, He writes, as the Lord inspires him, chapters uh, 38 and and, uh, 39. I think it's also interesting and instructive to notice that uh, the nations that are are really conspicuously absent among uh, the allies of, of Gog and and magog the the nations that you would think would be uh, mentioned in addition to these uh, these nations that uh in ezekiel's prophecy you would think that he would just blanket the entire uh say the entire middle east is going to attack israel and try and drive them out of the land but he doesn't do that he's very selective in identifying certain nations and then leaving other nations untouched Uh, declaring by his silence that they will not engage in the invasion. And so there's the the obvious omission of Egypt, a great power in Ezekiel's day. And of course, we realize that uh, Egypt today has has a peace treaty currently. Uh, Egypt does with Israel. Uh, Jordan is conspicuously missing in this list. Historically, you would have thought that uh, Jordan would have jumped in an attack like this. But in recent years, uh, Jordan has a, uh, uh, has a peace treaty uh, with with Israel. Uh, the the harder to explain historically uh, it, 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 it is it is the is Assyria, and uh, no mention of Syria joining in the attack. and uh, And Assyria has been a long term, uh, violent, hostile enemy of Israel. But she is not mentioned as joining in in this invasion, not involved in the attack. And as we look at the condition of the world today, of course they'd be completely incapable of joining the attack after what has been a devastating eight year uh, civil war within their own borders. Iraq is not mentioned. You would think that they would be mentioned. And, and, and likewise, it, 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 today it's in no place at all to join in any kind of an invasion of, of Israel. Uh, it is completely focused now on nation building uh, building itself back up after the Gulf War, and then also after its war uh, against ISIS. And so you look at this prophecy in terms of the nations that are mentioned, the, the nations that are omitted. I mean, it is absolutely surgical in terms of what you and i see geopolitically in the world today in a way that that this has never existed before in in uh, in human history an exact description of the geopolitical world that you and i live in today it really is a marvel this prophecy this exact alignment has never happened before in human history and 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 it is our reality every single day that that we wake up. They begin their attack in verse 7, and uh, as Ezekiel speaks uh, by God related to this, prepare yourself and be ready, Uh, speaking to God, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. And after many days you will be visited. In the latter days you will, come, uh, you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many peoples on the mountains of Israel. In other words, when Israel becomes a nation again, which had long been desolate, they were brought out of the nations and now all of them uh, dwell safely. And uh, Israel dwelling safely in the sense of, of the world's recognition of their right to exist. And you will ascend uh, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all of your troops and many uh, peoples with you. And so uh, they are going to attack this restored nation of Israel in the land. Uh, They will come like a storm. In other words, they will attack her with uh, absolutely overwhelming uh, force. And then uh, this attack, God says, is going to surprise Israel. Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind, speaking to God, and you will make an evil plan. And here is the evil plan. You will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled uh, villages. I will go to a peaceful people, speaking of the Jews, who dwell safely, all of them uh, dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, and to do so for the sake of taking plunder, to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited, and against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. And so their evil plan is to launch a surprise attack upon a uh, peaceful uh, Israel. Uh, again, it, it does not appear that that uh, it, it, unless it, it is, a, a, you know, Israel uh, going after the nuclear capacities of, of, of Iran, uh, but there is no kind of provocation that goes beyond self-defense on the part of Israel to provoke this attack in any way. It's described as a, an evil plan in the heart uh, of Russia. They'll be waiting for the opportunity. And when they look at this invasion of Israel, it will look like a piece of cake to them. Look at these allies. Look at uh, They can't stand against this confederation of nations that we're going to uh, come uh, uh, against them with. And they're highly confident. And the Jewish people it, it, you, when you look at their history, they are absolutely a, a, a peaceful people. Uh, they've always desired peace with their nations. They don't invade other nations and take them over, and, uh, they, but they will respond in order to defend themselves. And so we're told that uh, she that is Israel dwells safely uh, again, in the sense that, that, uh, that the world acknowledges by virtue of the UN of her, her right to exist. Certainly that sense of safety uh, extends to her military uh, power, uh, to her technology, and, and to her, her prosperity. When, that, when it talks about her dwelling safely, that, that Hebrew word for safely, it doesn't speak to the fact that she's not in a tough neighborhood in the world. Uh, Or that uh, she doesn't have a lot of enemies surrounding her. The word safely in the Hebrew literally means securely, it means confidently. And so uh, Israel sits today. She would love to have peace with her her neighbors, uh, but she sits securely and confidently in her ability to uh, defend herself. And so that's how uh, God says that's how the nation of Israel will view themselves at the time of this invasion. Uh, secure, uh, feeling secure and feeling uh, confident. The the purpose of the invasion in verse 12 is to take plunder and booty, to simply uh, loot uh, all of the resources. One of the things that happens when people, when they take a trip to Israel, they're expecting just to see uh, north, south, east, and west, uh, just desert, something out of Lawrence of Arabia and absolutely shocked at the beauty of the land, very much like California, but then to see how modern it is. Uh, the, the companies that are there, the high-rises that are there, the development that is there, the wealth of the country. And she is, of course, far outstripping any other nation in, in the Middle East in terms of the development of these kind of things. And uh, people are always looking for a chance not only to destroy, destroy the Jews and to drive them into, uh, into the sea and, and take the land, but also to take uh, whatever kind of plunder they can take uh, as, as well. Sheba and Dedan, verse 13, the merchants of Tarshish and all of their young lions, they will say to God, uh, they'll give a, an open rebuke at the time of this invasion. Have you come to take plunder? Have you uh, gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, uh, to take away livestock and goods, to take away great plunder? And so here you have Ezekiel. Again, it's fascinating uh, how uh, how precise the prophecy is. Because here you have, at the time this invasion occurs, you have what um, I think of as the international Uh, hand-wringers. Nobody comes to Israel's defense but God at this invasion. Uh, but at least these nations protest verbally uh, the the invasion. Sheba and Dedan are, are mentioned. Uh, those are ancient names for the country that we know today as Saudi Arabia. Again uh, interesting, Saudi Arabia not only will not invade, but will protest the, the invasion uh, and uh, uh, they don't like this development, which would be Saudi Arabia's uh, react, uh, her exact reaction today, because even though Saudi Arabia is uh, Muslim and thoroughly Muslim, uh, what they fear more than the Jews today is the expansion of Iran's uh, influence in, in the Middle East. And, and, uh, and they view that as the greatest threat in the Middle East and to them uh, as well. It's it, uh, interesting to follow the news, the relationship between uh, Israel and Saudi Arabia in the last two or three years. It is absolutely unheard of, unprecedented, uh, the, the bonds that are, are developing. Any bond is unprecedented. So uh, I- anything that is happening there is, is significant. Last year in 2018, Uh, Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salaam, he declared that Israel had the right to its own land alongside Palestinians. That is so shocking for a major Muslim nation in the Middle East a statement uh, to make, and Saudi Arabia uh, uh, made it. Uh, he is quoted as having said, "I believe that each people, every, uh, each people, anywhere, has a right to live in their peaceful uh, nation." Uh, He went on to say that there are lots of interests that his country shares with Israel. And again, not the least of them is is their mutual concern over the expanding and very dangerous influence of of Iran uh, in the region and beyond. You may not be aware if you're not a news junkie like a lot of us here, uh, Iran is the biggest exporter of terror in the entire world. Uh, they are. Uh, they are. Dista- have destabilized the entire world with their, uh, with their terrorism, and uh, that's why the 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 embargoes that have been placed upon them recently by our administration uh, has been significant in uh, in drying up the funds that allow them to cause the trouble that they have had ample funds to cause trouble around the world. Uh, uh, with but the concern is all uh, they're not only with Israel but other Muslim nations within the Middle East concerning Iran you might ask yourself how in the world does the crown prince of Saudi Arabia uh, get around that kind of traditional hostility uh, of uh, the Muslim uh, toward uh, the Jews and uh, and he handled it this way he declared that Saudi Arabia doesn't have a problem with the Jews uh, because uh, Islam's prophet Muhammad married a Jewish woman. Uh, and so he married a lot of women. But, uh, but is very, very clever on his part. So to attack him uh, I- I- and to attack Saudi Arabia for a relationship with the Jews, uh, when uh, Muhammad had a Jewish wife among, among his wives, uh, then now you're going to attack... Muhammad himself. And uh, a very crafty bit of uh, of history and and diplomacy, and they've kind of gotten away with it. When it talks about the merchants of Tarshish, there in verse 13, Tarshish refers to uh, the descendants of Javan out of uh, Genesis chapter 10. Uh, They initially settled in Greece, so it might be a reference to Europe. Some people. Uh, re- re- reference this to Spain. Uh, during the Roman Empire, Spain was uh, was known and referred to in terms of the term Tarshish. Uh, some people believe that it refers to uh, England and uh, Great Britain and those who see uh, the mention of Tarsus as a reference to England they see a possible reference to uh, the the United States when it talks about the young lions of Tarsus and and, uh, and and so it would be talking about the nations that have come out of England, Canada, the United States, and Australia, and so uh, we might be numbered abo- among that. So uh, if there is a mention of, of the United States in biblical prophecy, it would be there, but it's very, very scant uh, evidence, and uh, and whatever it is, it, it only amounts to a verbal uh, protest. There, it will not be a military protest. The invasion and the explanation of it continues in verse 14. And therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to God, thus says the Lord God, on that day when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? And then uh, you will come from your place out of the north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company and a mighty army. And you will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. Talking about just the sheer size of the invasion. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land. And the reason that God does this uh, is those next two words, so that... Uh, The nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O God, uh, before their eyes. And so uh, when God speaks here uh, and and he talks about, notice in verse 16, you will come up against my people Israel. My people Israel. That should be like an uh uh-oh moment uh, for anyone uh, associated with God. God is not done uh, with the Jewish people. At uh, it, it, it all And so God rebukes him Talks about the fact that he'll uh, Come again out, out of the far north And again that it will happen In the latter days And so all of this done in order to make them an example before the entire world so that he would be hallowed in Gog and the, the defeat and destruction of Gog before uh, their eyes and so these these armies as they inv- invade they will just have to think this is a slam dunk this is going to be so easy we will uh, we will have Israel for lunch And then in that moment, God is going to rise up and he's going to personally uh, defend Israel in a way that will uh, get get the attention of the entire world. It it will be such a deliverance and, and such a coming back against this attack that even a secular, ungodly, unbelieving world Will will be forced to uh, recognize it as as supernatural. And so, when it talks about this invasion as a cloud, it means this invasion is going to come from all corners. These nations are surround uh, surround Israel north, south, uh, east, and uh, and west. And so, uh, verse 17. And thus says the Lord God. And He's speaking to Gog. Are you He of whom I have spoken? in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you up against them. And so when God invades, uh, it's going to be a fulfillment of a prophecy that people have been expecting uh, to be fulfilled right up to the day that it occurs. Uh, We certainly will be expecting it. Uh, if, if we're around to see that, in other words, God is saying in verse uh, 17 that He is going to let God know uh, that He and His actions are a fulfillment of chapters 38 and 39 uh, in this this ancient prophecy. Uh, the battle itself is engaged in verse 18 as it's described, and it will come to pass. At the same time, when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. You know, it's one thing to be mad and not show it. Now, that's one level of, of, of righteous anger. It's another thing when you make someone so upset that they can't hide their anger, uh, and it shows on their face. This is really, really going to upset the Lord uh, when, when this happens. I mean, his, uh, he is going to be uh, absolutely furious at this invasion. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath, I have spoken. It provokes his jealousy uh, for uh, Israel, and, and it provokes his uh, wrath. And when no other nation in the world stands up, not even the United States stands up, nobody stands up to defend Israel, God looks at this and He is incensed over this invasion, the intention of the heart of these, these invading forces, and He will rise up and defend uh, Israel. And so again, this entire confederation of nations, they are on the wrong side of God's promise to Abraham that he would bless those who uh, bless them, and he will curse those who uh, curse them. The forms that uh, God's uh, fury is is going to take, uh, he begins to uh, lists them at the end of verse 19. Sure, surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake. So there's a difference between an earthquake and a great earthquake. What you're about to read right now is a great earthquake, and, and it's going to occur in the land of Israel. The, the earthquake will be so great uh, that uh, the fish of the sea Uh, the birds uh, of the heavens, the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at its presence. The mountains will be thrown down, the steep places shall fall, and uh, and every wall shall fall to the ground. And so here you have an earthquake that is of such magnitude that it not only levels law uh, walls uh, in, in, there in the Middle East, but it even throws down m- uh, mountains. Uh, that can really mess up an invasion uh, when you're just getting going, and you and then and then uh, maybe an unprecedented. Uh, earthquake occurs at the beginning uh, of your uh, uh, invasion. It it certainly takes the old military adage, uh, no uh, battle plan survives uh, 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 first contact with the enemy. In other words, you put all your plans together, and then once you make contact with your enemy, all your plans are out uh, the window. Now you deal with what you have to do. uh, deal with, and so this gets taken to new heights. God begins to defeat them now uh, through natural resources. You were concerned that God uh, didn't have any jets, uh, or that He didn't have any howitzers or whatever the equivalent rocket launchers today. Little World War II nostalgia in terms of howitzers for some of you, uh, but uh, no, He has every resource in at His His command. And so this great uh, earthquake begins to defeat them with these natural resources and uh, disasters. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my na- uh, mountains, says the Lord. Every man's sword will be against his brother. You say, what army is God going to raise up to de- deliver the Jews? I mean, you would, in a prophecy like this, you would look and say, well, you got all these invading armies that are going to be coming in, and so uh, God will empower the Jews to rise up and defend themselves, and it will uh, be like something right out of the Old Testament. But he doesn't. Uh, God doesn't need an army at all. Uh, they begin this invasion, but their motivations are so pure they're motiva- uh, 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 so poor, rather. Their motivations are so uh, 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 wrong uh, and, and carnal. Uh, motivation to destroy the Jews, a motivation to loot another country. Uh, when that's your motivation in battle, that's what's united you together to invade another country and to maybe lay your life down to do that and uh, and and then now an earthquake like this uh, occurs and you realize that now this is probably going to cost me my life is my life worth do i care about uh, looting uh, israel and pretty soon they're going to start to rethink their alliance and god won't field another army What he will do is he will supernaturally confuse them until the members of these various uh, 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 allied nations that are part of the invasion will then begin to fight among one another and and to destroy one another. Of course, it's effortless for God uh, to uh, to do that kind of thing. And then in verse 22, I will bring him... Uh, to judgment with pestilence that is disease and bloodshed and I will rain down on him that's always tough on an invasion I don't care how modern our our weaponry is and uh and uh, rain down on him and his troops and on the many peoples who were with him flooding rain Uh, great hailstones. It's tough to get an F-16 or F-18 or whatever the Fs they're up to now in in terms of, or MiGs or whatever the the Russians are are fielding uh, in a great hailstone. And then also fire and brimstone. And then notice that next word in verse 23, thus… And this way I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be uh, uh, known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. And so here uh, is going to be this, this, uh, God is going to magnify himself, he's going to sanctify himself among the nations of the world through the destruction of this uh, impressive uh, army. And in chapter 39, as we get into it, Gog's armies are uh, destroyed here. And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Gog, uh, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. And I will turn you around and lead you on, bringing you up from the far north and bring you against the mountains of Israel and then I will knock the bow out of your hand and cause the arrows to fall uh, out of your left hand and cause the arrows to fall out of your right hand. And so he, uh, he you know, all of those great weapons that uh, in Russia in Moscow on the annual day where they run all of the weapons through the great red square and to, it, it, to show off all of the weaponry, uh, God looks at it and says when push comes to shove, he's not fra- uh, frightened of it in any way. He just, it's like he disarms them like knocking a bow and arrows out of, out of somebody's hands. I do think there are some people who uh, um, interpret all of this and they think that uh, the conditions of the world will be such in the last days that, uh, that we will, go, we will uh, become far more primitive than we are today. And, and they have their theories and that this invasion will actually involve horses, it will actually involve bows and arrows and these kind of things. I, I don't uh, uh, agree to, with that myself. I think that what God is doing with Ezekiel is He is, uh, he is describing uh, advanced weaponry uh, to Ezekiel and the people of Ezekiel, uh, and He's using uh, uh, terminology that they can recognize. How in the world is God going to speak through Ezekiel and talk about fighter jets uh, or tanks or flamethrowers or... Uh, uh, or, or anything uh, like that. And, and so uh, he, he uses the language they can understand as, as representative of the kind of weaponry that will be in use, launchers and these kind of things uh, at the end of, of the age. Still launchers and, and still missiles, but a, uh, but a different technology and And I certainly hold uh, to that. In verse 4, you shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and all your troops and all the peoples who are with you. I will give you to the birds of prey of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. Their bodies will lie in such numbers that uh, there will be none among uh, themselves to uh, even uh, think about uh, burying the dead. And you shall fall on the open field for I have spoken uh, says uh, the says the Lord uh, uh, God, and uh, and then he, 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 he and wonderful really, uh, puts its justice in verse six, and I will send fire on Magog, and on those who live securely in the coastlands, and then they shall know that I am the Lord. So God says, I'm I'm going to wipe out uh, the army of Magog and Gog. I'm going to wipe out the armies of these confederation of nations, but I'm not going to allow the nations that sent them to go unscathed. And he will then bring judgment upon the nations that fielded these armies uh, to come uh, against the Jews and in the form of sending fire Uh, on them. And so I will take, uh, make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not uh, let them profane my holy name anymore. Then the nations shall know that I am the lord the holy one of uh, israel so the whole world is going to know he's god Uh, israel is going to recognize that jehovah is the lord the holy one of israel in in the light of this great deliverance surely it is coming it shall be done uh, says the lord this is the day of which i have spoken so god not only puts it in his word but he says this is going to happen Uh, take it, uh, take it seriously. In other words, what we're reading about tonight is, is going to take place in human uh, history. The aftermath of the battle is described in verse 9. And then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and set on fire uh, and burn the weapons, both the shields, the bucklers, the bows, the arrows, the javelins, the spears, and they will make fires with them for seven years. And so uh, kind of the, um, the, the loot uh, uh, the, uh, and, and spoils that they will take from the invading armies in terms of energy, uh, those energy sources will supply the energy needs of Israel for seven years. They will not take wood from the field nor cut down any of the forests because they will make fires with the weapons and they will plunder those who plundered them and plunder those who pillaged them, uh, says uh, the Lord. And so, uh, all of this is uh, the, the capturing of all of it. Verse 11, and I will, it will come to pass in that day that I will give Gog a, a burial place there in Israel. <laughs> they, they didn't expect Israel to become their graveyard, and that's exactly what uh, what is going to happen. I'm going to give them a burial place there in Israel, the, uh, the valley of those who dwell, who pass uh, by the east of the sea, that is the Dead Sea, and he's going to bury them in, in that area. It's, he's going to call it the Valley of Haman Gog, the multitude of Gog, uh, in, a little bit later in, in the verse. The location of that is on, on the east side. He describes it, the east side of uh, the Dead Sea, which is modern day uh, Jordan. That's where these bodies uh, will will be buried. Uh, the number of the bodies will be so great. Uh, this will become such an involved process to bury the sheer numbers of bodies that it will abstract uh, travelers. Uh, it'll be impossible to make your way through there. This will become the, the lone focus of that that, uh, that uh, part of, of the world there, uh, because there they will bury Gog and his multitude. Therefore, they will call the, it the Valley of Haman Gog, the Valley of the Multitude of Gog. Uh, so, it, 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 for seven months, the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. And so it's going to take the population of Israel there seven months. Imagine you're talking about at least hundreds of thousands of, of casualties in this this battle, but imagine an entire nation like a nation of Israel uh, having their population and it taking seven months to bury the sheer number of. Of, of bodies that will be left as a result of, of the battle, but that's go- that 's what is it, the time it 's going to take, and the bearing of the bodies, removing them over into Jordan to be buried is in order to uh, cleanse the land and indeed, all the people of the land will be burying again uh, everyone 's involved in those seven months, and they w- will uh, gain renown for it on the day that I am glorified. Uh, says uh, uh, the Lord and so uh, the huge numbers involved and then following those seven months they will set apart men uh, a a special employees to do this uh, regularly employed with the help of a search party They will pass through the land and bury those bodies remaining uh, on the ground in order to cleanse the land and at the end of seven months they will make a search the search party will pass through the land and when anyone sees a man's bone they'll put a marker by it uh, till the barriers have buried it in uh, removed the flesh and and uh, buried it in the valley of homingog and so uh, there are some uh, people who look at this and they say this is an indication maybe of a, a, a nuclear exchange that occurs and that the bodies of this, the, these, uh, the dead bodies in this uh, military attack are somehow uh, contaminated as a result of that. And so the the children of Israel are using uh, special means by which to not touch the body and become contaminated themselves. I guess it's a possibility, but um, more in line with what we understand uh, about the Jews in terms of dead bodies from the Old Testament. To touch a a dead body was to be rendered ceremonially unclean And uh, and so here is their earnest effort to um, to remove anything unclean, a dead body, and certainly the dead bodies of Gentiles uh, intent upon your annihilation. And so the the special marking until they make sure every single vestige of of this attack is removed from. Uh, from the land. By the time they get done, uh, there'll be n- no evidence at all uh, that, 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 uh, that that invasion occurred and, uh, and, and, and uh, uh, nothing left in, in that kind of a way. And the name of the city will be called uh, uh, Hamanoah, and, and uh, uh, thus they shall cleanse the land. And so uh, the city that is central to all of this cleansing effort uh, Hamanoah, and uh, Hebrew for multitude. It refers again to the sheer number uh, of dead, and uh, this uh, uh, an operation that's so massive that uh, a town will be set up in order to accomplish it. And again, by the time they're done, ultimately not a trace of, of the armies uh, will will remain. And 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 as for you, O son, uh, son of man, uh, thus says the Lord God: Speak to every sort of bird and to every beast of the field. Uh, call out on the animals uh, and assemble yourself and come together, uh, gather together from all sides to my sacrificial uh, meal, which I am sacrificing for you. This great fields of uh, bodies uh, come and eat to your heart's content. It's kind of an ironic twist. Uh, Usually when there's a sacrifice that's associated with God, it is the people eating the animal sacrifice. Here you have the animals eating uh, this sacrifice. The sacrifice is a sacrifice in the sense that it's been sanctified by God's uh, righteous indignation and judgment. And that you may eat the uh, flesh and drink blood, that you may uh, eat the flesh of, of the mighty, drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams and lambs, of goats and bulls, all of them fatlings of Bashan. You shall eat fat until you are full and drink blood until you are drunk at my sacrificial meal, which I am sacrificing for you. You shall be filled at my table with horses and riders, with mighty men, and with all the men of war, uh, says the Lord. And so they're invited to come in and partake of the feast, the animal kingdom. And then God uh, declares in verse 21, the spiritual effects of all of this. I will set my glory upon the nations. All the nations shall see my judgment, which I have executed, and my hand which I have laid on them. And so the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that uh, day uh, forward. And the Gentiles shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity uh, for their iniquity, Uh, Because they were unfaithful to me before, therefore I hid my face from them. I gave them into the hand of their enemies, and they all fell by the sword. According to their uncleanness and according to their transgressions, I have dealt with them and hidden my face uh, from them. And so uh, the house of Israel is going to know... Uh, at this point, how seriously the Lord uh, takes His commitment to them as He speaks about it there in verse 22. The Gentile world is going to come to know that that all of the Gentiles' defeats of Israel in the past uh, was only because of Israel's sin and not because her God had abandoned uh, uh, them. And it's a great mistake to think that God has abandoned the Jews. Again, always careful to, uh, to communicate that the Jews have to be saved through faith in Jesus Christ as much as a Gentile uh, needs, uh, needs to be. But they, uh, God has a unique plan for them in, in the end time uh, scenario. And, and all of this would have communicated to these listeners of this prophecy there in Tel Aviv as Ezekiel is, is laying this prophecy out that, uh, that the nation of Israel has a future far beyond the, the Babylonian captivity. In fact, God tells them uh, their future all the way down uh, to the end and uh, ultimately to uh, the millennial uh, reign. And so God isn't done with them. Verse 25, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Now I will bring back the captives of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel. I will be jealous for my holy name And uh, after they have borne their shame and all their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me when they uh, dwelt safely in their own land and no one made them afraid. And when I have brought them back from the peoples and gathered them out of their enemies' lands, and I am hallowed in them in the sight of many nations, then they shall know that I am the Lord their God who sent them into captivity among the nations, but also brought them back to their land and left none of them captive any longer. And I will not hide my face from them any longer, for uh, I shall have poured out my spirit." On the house of Israel says uh, the Lord, and so uh, here he he, he uh, uh, takes in these verses, shifts the focus back to uh, the, the their prophetic future of the of the situation of the, the Jews captive there in in, in Babylon. And uh, after they've borne the shame of the Babylonian captivity, God is going to bring them, uh, continue his plan for them as a people in, in human history, including a, a return to the land. And then uh, one day, Uh, You never have to worry about whether Israel is going to get uh, removed from the land. You never have to worry whether they're going to be destroyed by their enemies. You never have to give one little tiny thought to Israel as you watch the news. God is going to take care uh, of Israel. I don't care how formidable her her enemies become around her or how much uh, saber-rattling that they do. Uh, God is going to end every single dispute concerning Israel's right to that land uh, that he has given to Israel. You, you may or may not be aware, but the, the average Jew in the world today is uh, n- not a, a practicing or, or, or serious, as a religiously speaking, as a Jew. Most Jews are uh, not only around the world, but even in Israel. Most of them are atheists, or uh, they are secular, not very serious about God a- at all. But when God rises up in this so obvious a, a defense of, of Israel, and uh, surely they will be uh, in Israel, they will be around the world watching the news, as perhaps we will be uh, a- as well, and, uh, and then it, imagine it will look like everything is lost for Israel. They're just, waiting, they're just waiting for this group to come in and slaughter men, women, and children in the land of Israel. It's gone. I mean, this is, this is what it is going to look like to, to everyone who is, is watching the coverage uh, of all of this. And then when the battle turns in the way that God describes here, even they're going to realize that only God could have done that. And they're going to think to themselves, that looks like something out of the Old Testament and, uh, and become interested in God again on some level. Uh, but unfortunately, it appears that all this really just kind of sets it, everything up for the Antichrist's offer to the Jews to, uh, to rebuild their temple and all of the deception that comes with that. And, uh, because only a faith in Christ uh, can, can protect us uh, from, from spiritual uh, deception. So the the ultimate end of, of their earthly uh, history in terms of Israel as it's described there in verse 29, the Jews is going to be their recognition of Jesus as their Messiah and then a, a wonderful participation in the kingdom age or the thousand-year reign of, of Christ. And so uh, when does this happen? Allow me just a, a couple thoughts here before we uh, we close up. So you have the, the, the prophetic, uh, the prophetic uh, uh, unfolding of events. The next event that we're waiting for is the rapture of the church. Then there's the seven-year tribulation period. I'm sure Pastor Paul brought all of this out last week. Then there will be the second coming of Christ at that time, a thousand-year reign of Christ and the millennial reign, and then the creation of a new heaven and, and a new earth. And I, I'm certainly not dogmatic at all about it, Um, But my guess is that this battle is going to take place uh, very near the beginning of the seven-year tribulation uh, period. And uh, and I think it'll happen immediately before or immediately after uh, the rapture of the church. So we may or may not see this uh, related to the rapture of the church. The fact uh, uh, that there is no mention of the United States in the account uh, might mean that our national debt has caught up to us at this point and uh, we're all fighting with one another and can't field the mil- military uh, any longer. Yeah, um, but it, it, it might also indicate we still are, even though we're very much post-Christian, we are still have massive numbers of Christians in this country in very key places of government and in the military and so forth. If the rapture of the church happened at it it, it, just before this attack, and Russia looked at it and would see the confusion that would be created here potentially, and see this as an opportunity to move. Uh, That might be something that would uh, embolden uh, embolden, uh, Russia. The destruction of the Russian and Arab uh, Middle Eastern military might here Uh, when uh, these these armies are are destroyed as thoroughly as they're going to be destroyed, it is going to make it And this is a key piece to the prophetic uh, picture. It will make it very easy at that point uh, for the Antichrist to rise up and bring Europe into the place of being the final world ruling empire of the world. If the United States will not interject for some reason other than perhaps vocally in this invasion, Russia's armies are completely, virtually, completely wiped out Uh, 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 militant Islam has been punched in the nose in a massive way and set back. It it will leave a tremendous void and an opportunity for the Antichrist then to be revealed as the first seal that's broken in the book of Revelation that constitutes the wrath of God and then take Europe, a 10-country confederation. We'll see more of that in the book of Daniel and, and bring it uh, into uh, power and the chaos of the rapture, the chaos of this great military judgment would allow that to happen. Some people see this uh, this battle as a part of the battle of Armageddon, and uh, it, ha- it it doesn't match it at all. I'll leave you to uh, investigate it on your own, but they are two entirely different battle- uh, battles in- involving entirely different circumstances and. and and nations. And so the existence of the nation of Israel today is a fulfillment of prophecy. It is a miracle of God. No one could have done it but God. And as surely as, as He has done that, He is going to do what He has recorded here in these two chapters. And you just stop and think about it, that geopolitically, the world is like never before in human history. It is exactly as Ezekiel prophesied, 2,600 years ago uh, describing the latter years. Israel is a nation once again, a major military power to her far north. All of uh, Russia's allies are in place. And so Ezekiel chapter... 37 has been fulfilled. We are currently uh, between chapters 37 and 38 in terms of of human history. And this is the next event event that will unfold. One final thing. One of the reasons this is so important for us to understand, uh, all of us, but to understand as Christians, is that it allows you to process international news in a completely different way. Uh, When you know prophecy, when you know the end of the story before the story unfolds, you don't have to get all worked up about Iran and what it's doing, or Russia and what it's doing, or what anybody is doing, and all of the things that will get, get the rest of the world so anxious. I don't know how anybody sleeps apart from the Lord, candidly. This world can blow up a thousand different ways. This is, this is all being held together by, uh, by band-aids and paper clips and, and uh, rubber bands. And, and, if, and if you don't understand that, you're not paying attention. This world can go sideways. It, it is such a, a dangerous, crazy time uh, right now. And if you were to look at it and not realize Uh, prophetically what is going to uh, unfold uh, listen I'd go get bombed every night too uh, but I don't uh, because I'm a Christian uh, and uh, that understands this and so uh, but but the seriousness of it to where we can look at this and to realize the things that freak the rest of the world out uh, and it ought to freak them out apart from Christ we can look at it and say yeah I see why it frightens everyone uh, but I don't see anything that's happening in the world that isn't a fulfillment of everything that God has said in His Word. And sometimes I need to self-correct on that, in terms of uh, speaking to myself. Oh, my, oh the, my soul, why art thou cast down, O oh my soul? And this passage helps to provide that in an important way. God wants us to have this in our processing of life. Certainly for whatever generation uh, constitutes the generation of the last days. And it looks very much like we are in that place, and so important that this is sown into our hearts. Let's stand together now and we'll pray. Father, thank You for history in advance, and thank You that it's not like we have to look at any prophecies in the Bible without some sense of your track record on these things. Everything that you have said has come to pass in its time, and then the things that remain, Lord, have uh, another time for that to happen. And We thank you for this passage. We thank you for knowing it. Uh, We thank you for what it speaks to us about how in control uh, of the world that you are, And it is not the leaders of the governments of of this world. And that helps us a lot. And as we watch the world uh, becoming more and more hostile toward Israel. And not for righteous reasons, but for unrighteous reasons. And as Christians, that's an affront to us. Because we realize, Lord, that they can use those very same things to come against us. Right is right and wrong is wrong. And we see so much wrong. And to realize it as we see all of that unfolding, that none of it will find the fruition that they uh, think that it will have. We thank you that you prevail always on a daily basis and you prevail in the end. And we thank you for the privilege of being on your side. And we thank you for Jesus Christ who has made that possible. And we thank you tonight in his name. Amen.